Hi friends, welcome to the Bible Project Daily Podcast. And the project is to work through the whole Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. And today we're considering second of what I think will be three days looking at Matthew chapter 5 and how Jesus recommends we should respond to insults or when injustices are meted against us. If you're here for the very first time, then why not consider joining us on this daily journey, Monday to Friday, through the entire Bible. Just click on the subscribe button and that way you'll be sure not to miss another single episode. With that said, we'll drop straight back into the text in Matthew now, and I'll see you back at the back end just to update you on a few things. Bye-bye for now. So one way the Old Testament injunction of an eye for an eye was being interpreted by the scribes and Pharisees of Jesus' day meant that they were reducing every offence to just its monetary value and then they would try and settle it on that basis. But there is another way they were trying to grapple with this Old Testament precept and that was the way they were using and abusing it as a way of justifying revenge. Now this was a very problematic interpretation for them to try and get to because the Old Testament in several places offers a very different interpretation of how revenge, if ever, and how it should be played out. We probably know it best from the New Testament book of Romans when Paul comments on it saying, Vengeance is mine, I will replay, says the Lord. But it also appears repeatedly throughout the Old Testament. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord, is the core statement which all the other quotes of it are based upon, found in Deuteronomy 32, verse 35. But also in Leviticus 19, verses 18, it says, Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Proverbs 24:29 says, Do not say, I will do to them as they have done to me. I'll pay them back for what they did. Not to do that, it tells us there. So how does that all sit alongside with what Jesus is teaching here? If you remember, I said yesterday that this was meant to set a limit on punishment, the level to which the authorities were not allowed to go beyond. But importantly, it did not include anything about personal retaliation or revenge. Clearly, that was forbidden. In the Old Testament law, the principle always was, Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. But this statement is not got anything to do about personal revenge or personal retaliation. The justice that was meant to be enacted was meant to be done by the religious or civic authorities of the land. And that's the backdrop here that Jesus is addressing. And it's what the Pharisees have done with this commandment and twisting it and applying it in such a way as to interpret when and when not you could exact personal revenge, which was never what it was meant to mean. They were interpreting an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth as a guideline 
for when and when not personal retaliation and the vindication of personal revenge was appropriate. Beyond that, they could even get vicious with it. You know, human nature often means that when someone's hurt, they often want to get even. And that's what their interpretation was allowing people to do. People didn't want to just get even. They wanted to up the ante. Human nature often means we want something worse to happen to the people who have done something wrong against us. I'm reminded of a story many years ago. I heard about a lorry driver who was sitting in a small service station on his own, eating a meal, and a group of hell's angels rode up on motorcycles. And these were bad guys. And they walked in and they decided they were going to bully this lone lorry driver. They taunted him, but he didn't respond. He just kept eating quietly. And that made it worse because they became more angry. So they then took his food and they dumped his plate on the floor. And he still calmly didn't respond. He didn't say anything. He just rose up, went quietly over to the cashier, paid for his lunch and left. Well, the bikers, they were really proud of themselves. And they said to the waitress, he wasn't much of a man, was he? He left without so much of a whimper. The waitress then said, yeah, but he wasn't much of a lorry driver either. He just ran over a bunch of motorcycles. Now, maybe we find that funny because it resonates with us, doesn't it? It resonates that we connect with the idea that when we've been treated unfairly, we want more than justice. We enjoy it when we see people get revenge and get even. Sadly, solicitors tell you that this principle often comes into play in many divorces. It seems that two people who once loved one another can get to a point where they hate each other to such an extent they'll even use the children to try and get at each other. That's a frequent story. And Jesus is addressing the fact that human nature often means that people don't just want fair justice. They go way beyond that and they want revenge. They want the other person punished. Now, you may have not gone to the level that you've run over a motorcycle, but this attitude is within all of us. And I'm never surprised when I see it raise its ugly head. In my case, I certainly know it's within me. I try to keep a check on it, and when I feel it, I try and give it to the Lord, hopefully before it becomes so embedded in my thinking that it becomes a problem between me and God. But here, Jesus tells us what our attitude ought to be. Picking up the text in verse 38 again, he says, You have heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them and offer the other cheek also. Now what Jesus said here is one of the most interesting verses in the New Testament. Very widely quoted. I'm sure, like me, you've heard people say that Jesus said that Christians should turn the other cheek. But what does that mean? Is it just about offering the cheek if you are a victim of physical violence? Well, first thing we need to understand is that this statement is linked to the rest of the verse. It's the second half of one verse, which is actually about resisting, responding and resisting an evil person. So this is primarily indicating that we should not retaliate against evil. 
Keep in mind that what he's really dealing with here is the Pharisees' interpretation of the Old Testament law, not the law itself. And that's very important, because what he's saying is that if you feel someone has forced an unfair imposition on you or insulted you, don't retaliate, because vengeance is mine, says the Lord. And to communicate this, he's now going to give us four illustrations in the next four verses, what we're going to unpack today and tomorrow. And this here, the first one, he is talking about an insult. Maybe like me, for a great many years, I just thought the striking on the cheat was all about the act of physical violence. But Bible experts for hundreds of years say it's actually mainly about responding to insults. Did you ever notice it actually says if someone strikes you on the right cheek, then turn the other cheek? And that is what is important about this and significant about this passage. You see, first of all, this was not meant to just be taken literally. How do I know that? Well, because the rest of the passage, what it says, and also you can call in as evidence that the fact that when Jesus was on trial, he was slapped, and the way he responded was to question them, not to turn the other cheek. Why did you do that, he said. He didn't offer them the other cheek. So we're not just talking here about literally being slapped on the side of the face. As a matter of fact, I want you to look at all of verse 39. What it's saying is, I say to you, do not resist the evil, but whoever slaps you on the right cheek, then turn the left cheek. Now, in order to explain this, I have to get a little bit technical for a minute. Suppose I was standing in front of you and I want to slap you on the cheek with my right hand. Which cheek will I slap you on? Just visualize it for a minute. Correct, it will be your left cheek. But Jesus specifically mentions here the right cheek, and that's important. Now, what we're talking about here is, well, the fact today, 90% of people today are right-handed, and it was exactly the same then. But because of the sinister connotations, the term sinister literally means left-handed. Because of the sinister connotations that the religious people taught at that day about the, the meaning of someone being left-handed, hardly anybody appeared to be left-handed in those days. It was almost unheard of. Those who were naturally left-handed probably forced their right hand to be dominant from a very young age. So imagine... That we're talking here of a situation where it appears everybody, anyone who would stand in front of you would ostensibly be a right-handed person and they're facing someone and they're naturally going to use their right hand to deliver a blow and it would land on the left cheek of the other person. So if we take into account that the normal situation is the average person is right-handed, in order to slap someone on the right cheek, he's going to do it by what? It's going to be a backhanded slap right? And that's the thing that's being talked about here. The reason he's talking about someone being slapped on the right cheek, because he's referring to a common expression that related in those days was about being insulted. So if you hit someone, or even if you just brush someone on the right cheek with the back of your hand, it was deemed a great insult. As a matter of fact, the ancient rabbi said that to hit a man with the back of the hand was twice as insulting as to hit him with the flat of the hand. In fact, to slap someone with the back of the hand was much worse than punching them in the mouth, 
with a fist. Under rabbinic law, a person could collect at least twice the damages for a backhanded slap than an out-and-out punch. So what Jesus is really saying here is if that you're insulted, don't retaliate. That's what he's trying to get across by using this well-known example from that time. If someone hits you, sort of metaphorically, don't hit back to that person. Don't retaliate. I'm not alone in thinking this. Here's what one commentator said. This is about being willing to suffer loss rather than resort to personal vindictiveness. That's a good way of putting it. Now, Jesus himself was insulted on many occasions. You know what people said about him. They said things like he was a glutton and that he drank too much. He drank too much wine. He was an alcoholic, they said by today's standards. And they also said that he hung out with prostitutes. All really serious type of insults in his day. But he never retaliated to any of them. He never gave back like for like. Now, we can find all sorts of illustrations of that down through history. In fact, as recently in the 18th century in England, when there was slavery was still significant, there was a famous British politician named William Wilberforce, who went on a great crusade to free the slaves, and his enemies started all sorts of rumours against him. They actually said he was secretly married to a slave, and that's why he wanted to do this. They also said that he was a wife-beater and an abuser. But they did this, and they attacked him personally, because he was simply trying to free the slaves. He was trying to bring an end to slavery. And this is the very type of thing that Jesus is talking about here. He well understands the fact that Christians will be insulted because of their Christian faith. Now, in our situation today, in the world, in the church even, in my experience, what often happens when someone is insulted in this day and age, they respond less with physical violence and more with gossip. They get on the phone, they start talking about other people, getting back that way, rather than doing what Jesus says we should do here. And we shall find out exactly what he advises, how we should respond to it very shortly in tomorrow's episode. But here he says, instead of people retaliating and trying to get even, we should metaphorically turn the other cheek. He's actually telling us that real righteousness, the opposite type of superficial righteousness that you see in the among the scribes and the Pharisees, it doesn't do that. But real righteousness accepts the insult without retaliation, even without resentment. And in that way, they turn the other cheek in a figurative sense. But there's more. He also says, verse 40, And if anyone wants to sue you, and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. Now let me explain. The shirt was the inner garment that they wore, but the coat was a sort of blanket, and it doubled as an outer garment. A man would wear it as a robe during the day, and then he would use it as a blanket at night. Even a poor man might have several shirts, but most only had one cloak. So here's what the Mosaic Law said about these things. At that time, a great deal of small micro-loans were made, but were only meant to be made for the day. And often the cloak, the outer garment, was taken as a pledge for the debt. 
which was the common way a lender took a cloak like that as a security deposit, if you like, for what they had lent. But then they had to return the cloak, and the cloak should be returned before sundown because it was known that it would be used as a blanket at night. Now, I think that's of particular interest here because according to the Mosaic Law, a man always had his right to use his coat at night. It could not be taken permanently from him. It could only be handed over day by day. But here Jesus is saying, as the person who figuratively holds a debt against the other person through insult or injury, rather than retaliate, if they ask for your shirt, give them your coat as well. So this is about showing favour, going one notch over and above what is expected. So he's saying rather than retaliate, actually surrender your rights. The whole idea is that if you want righteousness, even when someone has sued you and wants to take you to court, then give up your rights. That's pretty heavy teaching, isn't it? One preacher put it like this. Our attitude be that if someone is upset with us, and we are able in some way to make them happy, we should do that and do that willingly for them. In other words, say, this is what you want, here's something else as well. But this is all wrapped up and contained within the idea that we should not be out to seek revenge. In fact, we should go above and beyond and be gracious and actually bless the other person who is offended against us. Go over and beyond. Now, that's a really tough way to live, isn't it? But it's not just Jesus talks about this. Paul and Peter write about it also at length. Peter says in his little epistle, First Peter, he talked about, he says, when you're riled, don't hit back. It's not a case of evil for evil or despising someone because they despise you. Rather, he says, render a blessing. And he says, when someone does evil to you, you should do good to them. Wow, this is really hard, difficult teaching here. But what Jesus is teaching here, I would say, is the ultimate in the New Testament teaching of what Christian love, agape love, really is. But tomorrow, we look at how Jesus suggests we should practically go above and beyond and respond in the right way. And we'll do that next time. Okay, friends, that's it for today. 
put in a little section of second of two out of three teachings on this matter and I do hope you'll get back tomorrow and join us as we round off this section in this amazing passage the longest part of Jesus's teaching three whole chapters through the Sermon on the Mount now if you are really benefiting from our time together sharing the God of Word and studying it can I recommend that you perhaps like it or share it on any social media accounts you have. I'm told that's the best way in which we can make this podcast visible to as many people as possible. To allow other people, give them the opportunity to make the study of the Word of God. Not just the reading of the Bible, but the study of the Bible, part of the rhythm of their daily lives also. I'm so appreciative of each and every one of you who have made the decision to follow along and encourage me by your listening to this and there are many of you that is such an encouragement of me to continue with this ministry in the knowledge that the vision I have to work through the entire Bible chapter by chapter verse by verse is helping and encouraging so many other people. Now if you're relatively new to this couple of things worth knowing there's always a transcript of everything I say available in the episode notes page of the podcast and that's contained within the podcast website which is hosted on Buzzsprout. The podcast website address is thebibleproject.buzzsprout.com so you'll not only find a transcript there you'll find lots of links to other ways that you can connect with my ministry. Places like my YouTube channel, which is where the long-term archive of the podcast is going to be held in audio form, set as videos, but audio soundtracks to scripture images and the ability to put them into playlists, not just by chapter, but by theme, will become more and more important as this podcast expands and grows and grows. At the minute, if you want to to maybe find a particular teaching you might have to scroll back as much as three or four hundred episodes but that will become unmanageable in the future so the best place to access the archive will be on youtube it's also the place where you'll find things like the facebook page my patreon account where people can join and support me in my ministry and also even places like my soundcloud and bandcamp pages where you you will notice that there's some background music that I've created where I I exist as a sound designer and musician on that page. So lots of ways in which you can connect and be more involved with this ministry. But the main thing is I'm just grateful that so many of you are letting me know that you're benefiting from this teaching in so many ways. And I do hope you will make the commitment to make the study of the Word of God part of the rhythm of your daily life over these next five to seven years. But I'll just leave it there and say thanks for joining me again. Bye for now and I'll see you back here very soon on the Bible Project Daily Podcast. Bye bye for now.